Hello, heroes, and welcome to Session Zero, a podcast exploring role-playing through a psychological perspective. I'm Porter Green. And I'm Steve Discont. And today we'll be discussing anxiety and shyness at the table. Hey, heroes. Before we get started with today's episode, we want to apologize for our unannounced hiatus for the last few months. I had lots of time and absolutely no spoons. And I had tons of spoons and absolutely no time. Um, the hiatus did give us some room to work on our goals. I worked to grow part of my practice. And I accepted an offer for a new position with a HR consultancy that I'm really excited about. But we recognized that we should have openly communicated that we would be taking our break. And we apologize for leaving all of you hanging without any indication of what was going on. We know that y'all wanted to know what was going on with the show, and we should have kept y'all in the loop. And I want to thank you for your patience and sticking with us. And with that apology in mind, we want to thank you for listening to our show in general. Yeah, thank you. And now, on to today's session. So, Steve, when you think of anxiety and shyness, what, what comes to mind? Fear. I think fear mostly comes to mind. Like... When you're feeling shy or when I've felt shy with either a new gaming group or at a new LARP, it's like it's fear about rejection, fear what mm -hmm. other people are going to be thinking about me, hesitation, mm -hmm. uh, concern of resistance to who either I am or my role playing or judgment for either me or my skills as mm -hmm. a role player. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think another big factor in anxiety, especially in gaming, would be shame and embarrassment mm. either because of past history of things where things have gone wrong or where you felt like you've made a mistake or the fear that that might happen in the future in fact anxiety is really mostly characterized by those two things right if you think about it the traditional anxiety the most classic form is your fear response yeah it's the fight or flight response where you have to either fight off a bad guy run away from a predator or you might freeze up because you don't know what to do and it it comes from the, the adrenaline response and the energy you need to do all of those things. Of course, then in modern life, it gets applied to, you know, business meetings or gaming tables or a date with a friend. Mm -hmm. And those situations don't really apply very much to that whole running away or, you know, punching someone. So it gets really tricky. Well, and I mean, some people do run away from social situations, but when you're wanting to be there and... You are volunteering, you're volunteering your own time to be involved in it. Hopefully that's not the response that you find yourself having to follow through on. Mm -hmm. But you still end up with a lot of adrenaline and a lot of fear and not always something to do with it. And that's mm -hmm. when you end up with social anxiety or shyness sometimes. So do you think that there's a difference between shyness and social anxiety itself? Because I feel like social anxiety is something that in psychology we have much more of a clinical understanding of and shyness often, I feel we use to describe a state. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, you can definitely, quote unquote, feel shy, which is when you feel slow to respond, you feel quieter, you feel hesitant. And that can go away with confidence, mm -hmm. right? The thing that sort of characterizes social anxiety specifically is that it doesn't go away when you have supports. So you, you're just as anxious going to the party when you go with your friend as when you go alone. Mm -hmm. Whereas somebody who doesn't have social anxiety but just feels shy might be much happier going to a party if their friend was there sure or if you're if you have to attend a meeting at work or at school and you know that you have a colleague there who you trust and you know has your back 
but you still have to attend it and you still feel that fight or flight response. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, for sure. Yeah, that's one of the major characteristics that differentiate social anxiety from other things is that it doesn't get better when logical supports are present, right? Mm -hmm. It sort of stays because it's not it's not following sort of rational thought. It's not coming from your thinking logic brain. It's coming from that scared rabbit that's running away from a tiger. Sure. Now, I think it's interesting when we talk about shyness because often we, you know, especially in, I kind of think it like pop psychology. You know, mm -hmm. everyone is talking about, well, I'm an extrovert. I'm an introvert. Here's how I am. And here's how, you know, here's how people like me are. And often we say that shyness is just, you know, it's someone just being introverted. What do you okay. think about that? I think the entire introvert-extrovert dichotomy is incredibly frustrating because everybody is shy sometimes and mm -hmm. everybody is social sometimes. You know, 99.9% .9 of humans have a social drive. There are some people that have a very limited one, but they're definitely a rarity. Most of us want to be around other people. We just have different ways we prefer to do it. And I think there's a lot of over-characterization that happens into this, like, divide I mean, some people do experience a feeling of being energized by large crowds and mm -hmm. performance and lots of interaction. And some people find that to be more taxing. But some people that find a big frat party super taxing would find a D&D game incredibly energizing. Um, and that doesn't make them an introvert or an extrovert. It just means that you need to pick the scenarios that make you feel comfortable and make you feel interested when you're choosing your social interactions. Sure. And I think it might be interesting for heroes to know that in psychological assessment, we often explore these aspects of personality. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there are various personality assessments that are used. And often, for example, what we call the big five personality factors, one of those happens to be extroversion. Mm -hmm. And that is our understanding about how much people do feel comfortable going out in interacting with large groups or proactively want to be part of social experiences. Mm -hmm. But the thing is that you can be both extroverted and introverted at the same time. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's situational. It's not just a trait that you have persistently. And that can apply in your shyness uh, in a gaming context mm -hmm. or your social anxiety in a gaming context. In fact, I work with several people who are socially anxious extroverts that enjoy social interaction very much and are very energized by it, but find accessing it to be almost impossible because they're so fearful of rejection, of failing, of making a mistake. Mm -hmm. The millennial experience. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but for real, though, the, the, the culture of trophies for showing up and making everybody be equal all the time and um, over-complimenting has actually led to millennial adults who cannot accept positive feedback unless you can show them that you see their flaws. And it's a weird sort of disbelieving of the things they're good at that comes along with that. I feel like the term I've seen online, not in our circles, but elsewhere is the term toxic positivity. Mm -hmm. How do you, I, I find that a really interesting concept because I think that is something that we as psychologists struggle with sometimes, uh, either in our research or depending on the work that we do to make people realize or recognize that like being disingenuously positive can have a really negative impact and can lead to some of those social anxieties, especially when we're always expected, oh, you need to, you know, come at this with a with a, with a positive attitude. Everything's mm -hmm. going to be fine when you might recognize this situation is going to be really stressful. I'm about to meet with my manager's manager for the first time and present to them. Or I'm being pulled in and I know that one of the executives is going to be in this meeting. And I'm not doing much talking, but there's still a lot of pressure here. This is really intimidating. 
This is a really great example of why taking a concept like positivity, which can be really useful psychologically and applying it without a lot of forethought can be really damaging because Mm -hmm. toxic positivity actually hugely increases social anxiety because people learn they can't trust positive feedback or their own positive thoughts. Mm -hmm. And we as a species already struggle with remembering the good stuff because our brains are wired to remember mistakes so we can fix them in the future, not to remember successes. So we already have to do extra work to hold on to our wins. So if now we don't trust our wins and we don't trust the positive voices inside of us, it makes us even more socially anxious, which is why we're seeing these astronomical rises in social anxiety in teens. Mm-hmm. I think the depression rate is something like 50% last oh year in teens. It's really just skyrocketing. And part of it is things like, you know, the violence in schools, but part of it is also that, you know, there's this cultural sort of flight from positivity. Oh, and then no, there's a, I have thoughts on social media and its involvement in that, but that's for another time. Mm-hmm. Kind of thinking about though, and I kind of want to like bring bring us circle that back into gaming. I'm wondering then, what are circumstances for you that you find that could be anxiety inducing, or could that can, can inspire that sense of fear for you in the gaming experience? I know for myself, when I first moved here to Chicago, and you know, you've heard me talk about Fifth Star LARPs before. Mm-hmm. The first time I ever gamed with any of the group, the, with that group here there was a lot of internalized anxiety I had that these people might see me as kind of a fake, as, as someone who's not a good role player because I'd heard a lot of these people are very serious, very experienced. They take it very, they feel that art of role playing. Mm-hmm. And so I was really worried that if I didn't bring my A game, they were going to smell me for a fake and that they'd want me out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think performance anxiety is probably one of the big things that people struggle with. Um, There's a sense of, I want to do this correctly. I want to do this right. Some people even worry about, if I make a mistake, then I'll ruin everybody else's good time. Mm -hmm. I've heard that one a lot. For me, it tends to be a long, sort of like, I'm always worried that I'm going to say something and be told no. Which, I I mean, I don't know if that makes a lot of sense, but like I'll be like, I would like to do this. And the DM will be like, no, you can't do that because you don't understand how the game works. Or because, um, obviously, you haven't read the rules or... You know, like these like sort of So kind of like a gatekeeping type yeah, thing. Like, like you're you're not gaming right. You don't mm-hmm. know how to game right. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I, I get I don't like playing talky characters as much because I feel very frozen or nervous about playing out um, social interactions. Like like trying to convince people of things, like mm-hmm. finding the right words to sound cool. Well, I think that's a pressure that we have with role playing too, that we have social skills and social interactions that are abstracted into rule systems. Mm-hmm. We still, because of role playing, tend to often go, well, I want you to have this interaction and not lean on the dice that in the stats that you have for your character. In that sense of like, well, you have to be a socially competent player, quote unquote, to play a charismatic character. Mm-hmm. Which is totally unfair because as long as you can say what your goal is, and sort of the behavior your character is doing, you should be able to just roll the dice and hand wave it if you're feeling mm-hmm. like you're stressed. In fact, I think that's one of the huge strengths of role-playing games that have any kind of social mechanic or social skills because if I'm having a day where I'm feeling anxious, I can roll my check and based on what I get, I can then say my character tells an eloquent story about the time their mother fell in war mm-hmm. or whatever it might be to, tell, to sway the day or I could say my character tries to make a joke and totally it falls flat if I roll poorly. I don't have to actually come up with like a speech, you know? And nothing's worse than saying this really awesome, cool speech and then rolling poorly. So I always say roll first with social interactions. Mm-hmm. Well, so we've, we've kind of hit on things like social, like, you know, fear of judgment, 
uh, concerns about your own ability to role play. Mm-hmm. You know, we've talked about those concerns about performance anxiety and fear. What about, you know, I think a big thing that can happen for people about being shy is the vulnerability of being intimate mm-hmm. in some capacity. Uh, I think that's a big factor that we need to think about sometimes with gaming because when we're role playing, depending on the game that you're doing or the type of game, you might be having to portray honesty or portray vulnerability. And that can be very intimidating even when you're not doing pretendy fun times. For sure. I mean, I think we've talked about that a lot and about how you can use a character to grow your own skills and to sort of play with concepts or uh, ways of interacting that you find personally really challenging. And things like being vulnerable or open can be those things. It can also be a really big ask of yourself to do that. The other thing I think about shyness is that it's hard to have a loud enough voice sometimes. I think people that are naturally soft-spoken or that struggle with sort of speaking over louder, bigger personalities can mm-hmm. get pushed aside. Oh, absolutely. Um, especially in like live-action games or games that are very mechanics-light. Well, I, I think I've definitely seen that at tables too, or spe- mm-hmm. especially if, it's, if you have someone at the table who has anxiety, uh, generalized or social. If you have someone who is more braggadocious or louder or, uh, you know, someone who even just projects better than other people, I think that person might be inclined to, like, sit back or let other people take actions because they're concerned about, again, those fears of judgment, Mm -hmm. those fears of being perceived as not contributing or contributing poorly. Or even just the fear of interrupting, right, or talking over somebody. Mm -hmm. That can be really hard to just, like, take up space and say, hey – you know, I've been trying to say this for t- 10 minutes. Well, that idea of space, though, that's really interesting because I think, you know, some of the shyness and in, in social anxiety comes down to fear of taking up that space, whether, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you perceive that it's not okay or right for you to do it or whether that's accurate or not. How do you think that we as players in role-playing games or in LARPs can try and help people have anxiety or shyness take space and hold space. Well, I think one thing is if you notice that somebody's getting stepped on, taking a minute to use your voice to say, hey, can I stop you for a second? Mm-hmm. So-and-so is trying to say something. Or when that person that's louder finishes a sentence and goes to breathe, pause them and turn to your friend that's been trying to say something and then say, hey, what were you trying to say? And then if, if then protect their space, kind of be like the sheepdog and, <laughs> and hold back when somebody else tries to jump into the silence while they're formulating words, say, hold on. This person's trying to say something. Sure. I know one thing I've done as a player before, uh, and it admittedly it could be perceived as hijacking the GM's role unintentionally, but like when I've been in at tables, like at conventions, I could see there's someone who hasn't spoken a lot. Or they've again, how you said they were they were jumped on or things like that. There's that positive metagaming moment where I've gone, Hey, what do you think we should do about this situation? Or hey, you were about to do something. What was it again? Mm-hmm. So Pretending I may have heard something or opening it up to make sure that that player gets their chance to jump in mm-hmm. or or at least in a sense showing, hey, I'm welcoming you into this experience, in this communication process. Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the things that definitely helps me is being allowed to take whatever time I need. I mean, obviously not to the point where I'm like silent for 20 minutes, but like being sort of given room where people aren't constantly talking over me or having side conversations. I mm-hmm. think that's another thing, especially in a tabletop is that if you pull your phone out as soon as it's not your turn 
and you're oh my gosh like talking to all the other players or like you know doodling constantly and not really paying attention to other people's stories it feels really like demeaning like you don't yeah. care about me or my interactions or my part in this game and it can make it harder to care and make it harder to do the hard thing or say the hard thing or sure. try role playing instead of just describing well i think that that gets into the idea of having mindfulness at the table because if you're not proactively engaging with everyone else's experience yeah you're gonna seem like you don't care mm-hmm. or that you not even just don't care that you might be annoyed that someone that you more i think that other players will perceive that you are annoyed by them being part of the scene because you've pulled out your phone because you're no longer involved. Yeah, or that you're bored because mm-hmm. they're not interesting enough. I know a lot of people that are shy or that have social anxiety think thoughts about not being interesting, not being worth engaging, not having a lot to say. Um, and those thoughts get really loud when the people around you are giving you body language that enforces them. And something like that sounds like that shyness and social anxiety can also really tie into things like self-esteem. Absolutely. And so, and maybe self-efficacy in gaming. You know, we, we keep talking about this idea of you know, being concerned about being a competent role player or being a competent contributor to the gaming experience. And that really does come down to this idea of self-efficacy, this idea that, you know, how we perceive ourselves to be good at a particular task. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I mean, there's all kinds of contributing factors with gaming too, right? Like there's newness and there's like seriousness, right? Because some tables or some LARPs you walk into, there's sort of an element of formality or Mm -hmm. an element of focus that can feel like, like seriousness or like being more competent than you. Does that make sense? I think so. I think there is a difference in recognizing what the tone of the game is meant to be or maybe what the tone of the players are looking for. So you have your characters that are a bit more gonzo or a bit more wild, depending on the type of LARP you're in. And then you have the the LARPs that, you know, we're here to be serious and I'm here because my role-playing experience is I want to be able to cry. And if I get to cry, I've had an amazing LARP. And trying to feel out and navigate those. So that could cause fear and I think fear and shyness too, especially because if you're trying to figure out what the mood is of the game and what your role-playing style is, that could be pretty challenging. Mm -hmm. I kind of think of it uh, coming into a table as a new player, which is a time when people have a lot of social anxiety, whether you're new to a system or whether you're just new to a group, it's kind of like a really long small talk handshake you know how when you're doing small talk it's like you both sort of awkwardly float topics and go back and forth in an effort to Mm -hmm. make that connection and find something you both have in common well settling into a new group whatever size it is whether it's a you know 30 person larp or a five person D &D game is a longer more proactive version of that because you're trying to learn all of the tropes you're trying to learn all of the rules you're trying to learn the fiction and whatever persistent world there is, and you're managing the system and your character. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely, you know, if we, if we look back to one of our earliest episodes, it, we're, it's those early stages of group formation too. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, as the group is, everyone's trying to feel out, like you're at part of the active process of feeling out who's legitimate, who's not, who can I trust, who can I not trust, and then later trying to build those norms. I think that is a very intimidating process too. Mm-hmm. And if you're doing that with new groups, or and especially social groups, especially if they're people you don't know, you only know one person at the table, that fear can absolutely be there. But so then what can we do for other players to address their needs if they have this social anxiety or the shyness? I think one of the first things that you do is kind of like you said that first session, 
you know, if you're start if you have the, the opportunity to start from a game that's opening and fresh, I think one thing you can do as other players is to openly have a discussion, you know, that session zero moment mm-hmm. of going, hey, what are some challenges that we each individually have for role playing and what can we do as fellow players to make it an easier experience for you? Absolutely. I think that a session zero, if you don't if your DM doesn't initiate a session zero of some kind when you start a new game, then a player also can say, Hey, can we talk about some of these issues before we start? And should say that mm-hmm. and open that idea. Like, you know, are there hard limits? Are there things that are harder, easier for people that we should be aware of? Another thing, too, is if you're coming into a new situation, that's not the time to play a character that is hard for you. Mm-hmm. You know, like the first character you play with a new group of people or in a new system should probably be something that you find comfortable to do. You know, like I wouldn't play, you know, a dual class, multi complexed multi magic system cl- highly charismatic character as my first character well you're saying that is 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 if you were someone who has shyness and social anxiety correct For sure okay because i know i'm the type of player who likes to challenge themselves when those new opportunities arise Mm -hmm. but i recognize that is me personally as a player and i'm not someone who struggles i feel like a lot with shyness Mm -hmm. but i recognize that like you're saying that would be a really hard time because not only are you trying to balance these new social interactions and social relationships at the same time you are cognitively keeping your head do I know what the rules are? Do I know how the mechanics of my character sheet work? Does this group, is this group going to be paying attention if I trip over the rules at any point? Exactly. What we're talking about here in like psych terms is cognitive load, right? Mm-hmm. It's the idea. It's the fact that, you know, on TV and movies, you always see that when somebody's lost, they turn the radio off. Well, that's a real thing. Mm-hmm. The, we, our brains can only hold so much information at once. They can only hold so much input and they can only have so many sort of balls in the air at one time. And if you have 12 balls you're trying to keep in the air, you're going to drop some. Mm -hmm. And what happens when you make mistakes if you're already feeling anxious or shy? Goes right up. Yeah. I mean, that's why like when you try and work and you're trying to listen to music, having lyrics in the music is going to be much more distracting when you don't have lyrics. Mm -hmm, Because if it's instrumental music, or vocalist music, it's going to be easier because that's something you can either keep in the background and maybe not focus on proactively. Whereas if they're lyrics, your brain is going to pay attention to those no matter what. Mm-hmm. Yeah, our brains are designed to pick up sounds. So what are some things that we think that players with shyness or social anxiety can do to make their experience a better one? Either one that we to kind of smooth over those fears or those, that sense of intimidation or potentially ways that they can distract themselves from it to make the experience an easier going process for them. Well, the first thing that I always think of is the dice are your friend, which like I was saying earlier, if you rolled a check for something in D&D, for example, and you rolled like a 24, right? You have an astronomically good success. You, there's more than likely than not you're going to succeed at whatever you do. So that means mm-hmm. that whatever you say when you try to say something in role playing works. So you don't have to, it takes the pressure off. Yeah. So I highly encourage you, if you have a check that you need to roll or a skill you're going to try out role-playing that you're nervous about, to roll first and then go from there. Mm-hmm. Because then you can customize your response based on how good you did. And also, you can abstract it a little bit. Like, I mean, it's good to, to still say in first person to still be behavioral. So you might not be able to, you know, rail off a 10-minute long rallying speech for your troops. But you can sure. say... Like I might say, Nora falls back on her years of studying the, the great speeches given by great generals and rallies the troops with a you know emotional call to arms or you know even you even if you're trying to portray a character and you're dealing with that challenging moment like you said in that sense of abstraction you could even try and sound regal when you describe the action you're doing 
So like, yes, I rally everyone together and give them a highly motivational speech, telling them why it's so important that we fight for our monarchy. Exactly. The point is, you don't have to go through that full scene, which, if I mean, if you're doing that, kudos to you. That's not, ob- that's not obligatory. Absolutely. And it gives you a way that you can work around those fears, especially if the concern for you is having all those eyes on you and mm-hmm. all those ears on you. Also, writing things down. If you're going into a negotiation or you have to question somebody or you're doing some kind of interaction where you're looking for specific information, take some notes. Write down mm-hmm. the four important things you're trying to find out. So if you get flustered or you feel uncomfortable, you have something to reference. Um, I knew a bard once that would pre-write songs. And then if they needed to use one at the table, they could just like flip through their little list. I think that's great because coming up with songs on the spot, that's called improv. Yeah. <laughs> and that is a particularly and explicitly learned skill. Yeah, we're a filking household, so I tend to forget that that's not a thing everyone does. I can't do it. My husband can filk. I love him nonetheless. That would be a fun bonus as content. I, as, I get a dirty, as I get a dirty look. But uh, all joking aside, like, I think that's great. Especially if you want, if you know an upcoming game and you're going to have a speech, that can take off some of the load. Mm-hmm. I think another thing players should consider, not just for themselves, but for other players at the table too, is to open up opportunities that if a player is feeling intimidated or they're feeling fearful, where they can express that out of character. For sure. And the modern technology is actually great for that, too, because sometimes mm-hmm. it's really hard to turn to your players and say, your other players, and say, hey, guys, I'm really anxious right now. But it can be super easy to send a text to your friend, the warlock, who's sitting next to you and say, hey, I'm super uncomfortable. Can you help me ask for a break? Yeah, no, I think that's great. And I think I've definitely seen people do it. I know that they've done that, where there have been conversations, for example, me and other LARPers uh, in a Discord conversation really briefly where someone's going, I'm having a really hard time. Uh, I, I need a way out of, like, examples say, like, I need a way out of a scene because I'm feeling particularly triggered or, like, my anxiety is really bad. And so, again, in that sense of, like, positive metagaming, coming in uh, to a LARP scene going, hey, can I talk to you for a second? I want to address this thing happening in the game. And you give them the avenue out, and they're able to recollect themselves, and they want to go back to that other scene that they were having. They can do that one-on-one or later. What about moments of intense anxiety in a LARP or those, those feelings of social pressure. Are, are there any techniques you can think of? Cause most of mine I'm thinking are more in like a tabletop level. Cause you, you can't really describe what you're going to do action wise in a LARP in the same way. I think it depends on the group you're playing with. Um, I think there are definitely some more of like art LARPs and freeform LARPs where the expectation is that you're proactively doing every, you know, you, it is kind of that WYSIWYG expectation. Mm-hmm. What you see is what you get, but you know, especially in campaign LARPs I've played in and, I think the way that we run things with fifth star, there have been opportunities where, you know, a player is doing like a high anxiety situation and they know like, oh, my character's going to have to give a speech. And they've, for example, pre-written it and they gave it to one of the STs to read it on their behalf. Oh, that's a really good idea. Um, But also just knowing if you have safety mechanics, as we've talked about before, that's a really good way too. So if you are in a situation where you're ramped up and, you know, we have the okay check-in, uh, and you proactively flash to someone like the thumbs down, uh, giving like a thumbs down motion to a player and they go, oh, you're not doing well. All right, let's break scene, talk for a second and try and address this. Mm-hmm. So I think having those tools available to players and proactively modeling them and using them can give you in LARP that opportunity mm-hmm. to address that. 
and I think it's even possible in character to take breaks sometimes, like because every human being has to pee, yes. <laughs> right? So you can always like sort of make an excuse to excuse yourself from something and come back to it if well, you need to take a break. Well, I think there's something even funny, like funny and stress relieving uh, about in character saying like, hey, uh, this is cool and all. We're negotiating this treaty, but like I got to use the restroom. I'll be right back. Because I mean, just that irony of like, you know, in movies and stuff, we never acknowledge that bathrooms get used right people so, don't pee in television or in uh, D, apparently yeah so just even doing that moment like hey this is cool i'll be right back i need a bio break and do it and give yourself that space and uh, you don't actually have to pee you can just breathe deeply for 10 minutes mm-hmm. and take a break and wash your hands it's okay yeah now as we wrap up towards the end of the session i know that there was a particular quote that you wanted to share about from another one of the uh, players in a game that you've played in, kind of tied to their experiences with anxiety and gaming. Absolutely. Um, one of my players, one of my co-players in my wife's long-running D&D game says that gaming gave me back my life, helping me to confront and work through my crippling anxiety in a safe and supportive environment to the point where today I still feel anxious sometimes, but not significantly more than anyone else. I think that's wonderful. Yeah. I mean, he often talks about gaming as therapy for anxiety because it's a place where your mistakes literally don't count because it's a made up game we're playing in our minds and they're not going to affect your job or your friendships or ruin your life. And characters are wonderful and we love them, but they're not real and they don't, you know, they don't cause us to struggle in the rest of our days. So it's a great place to try things out. I I, That trying things out I think is great because it's an opportunity where you can test out certain skills and test out certain social skills, which as those grow might help with your fears and your concerns that lead to that social anxiety and shyness. In fact, there's an entire subgenre of psychology that's coming to the forefront called geek therapy, which is a growing use of gaming modalities with teens and even adults um, as therapy. It's pretty cool. We're going to need to talk about that in the future. Absolutely. But in the meantime, I think we are coming to the end of our session. So in that case, I'll see you next session. See you next session. Session Zero is a one-shot network production. Steve Discount can be found on Twitter at Barely Normal. Dare spelled B-E-A-R. Porter Green can be found on Twitter at Dagmar Rugosa. This episode was produced and edited by Joe Webster. Our logo was designed by Jessica Kuczynski, who can be found on Twitter at AngryArtist113 or at the website JessicaKuczynski.com, spelled K-U-C-Z-Y-N-S-K-I. The song you hear right now is Hikari by I Love Brandon off his album Earth and Sky. If you would like to hear more of his work, visit EYELoveBrandon.com or find him on Spotify, SoundCloud, Twitter, or wherever else you like to find your chill beats to listen to podcasts to. If you've been enjoying Session Zero and other podcasts on our network, and you value independent creators being able to support themselves and continue to create content for you, consider supporting our network on Patreon at patreon.com backslash one shot podcast. Your contributions to the One Shot Network helps us to pay for the studio that we record in, the content that we use to represent our work, and the hosting of our and other podcasts. Becoming a contributor to the One Shot Network Patreon grants you access to bonus content in the network's secret archive, such as some of our personal gaming stories and a peek into conversations with role-playing game characters on our pretend therapy couch or in our pretend consulting office. There are also other perks like the Gift and Book Club, the T-Shirt Club, and many more. Please consider contributing today.
If you're looking for another show to listen to, why not try One Shot? Every week on One Shot, James D'Amato brings you actual play recordings with a talented cast of improvisers, game designers, and other notable nerds. Each month features a new group trying a new system, exploring a wide variety of genres. The stories are self-contained, so you can jump in anywhere. And it's a great way to discover new games. Discover the magic of RPGs with One Shot on your favorite podcast app. Heroes, we would love to hear from you and hear your ideas for our show. You can find us on Twitter at Session Zero Pod, or you can email us at Session Zero at OneShotPodcast.com. Remember, heroes, Session Zero is for sharing information, not for therapy. If you feel like you need support, check out Psychology Today's Find a Therapist database. If you're experiencing a crisis, head into the emergency room or text CONNECT to 741741 from anywhere in the United States. Be safe out there, and we'll see you in the next session.